In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters, here we are today, the fourth Sunday of Lent. And Jesus today is asking us how our Lent is going. He's asking us each and every day, but each and every Sunday, as we come to worship Him here in the Holy Eucharist, He's asking you specifically as He enters your heart, as you offer your heart towards Him, how is your Lent going? What's going on? What are those sins that are still pervading? What are those sins that are still in the heart, in the darkness of your heart? Where are you not letting Christ's light shine in your heart? Where is your relationship with God lack? Where can you put more of God in your life and less of yourself and less of the world? As I mentioned the very first week, we mentioned the 311 challenge. You are meant to amend that as you go along. You are meant to change it as your life sees fit. As we see certain failings in our life, again, we're in the desert. We're in the desert with Jesus. And that is where we see Jesus more closely because there are no distractions. But the desert is a very scary place because we have to look deep within our hearts. We have to look deep within our failings. We have to look deep within what's going on in here. And the scariest thing of all is to sit in silence and think with your own thoughts. Because the world promises you distractions. The world promises you, hey, if you just pay attention over here, you don't have to worry about what's going on in your life. Pay attention to your addictions. Pay attention to your sins. Those things will bring you those brief moments of happiness. But your relationship with God, that takes work. That takes patience. That takes silence. And what we don't want to do is sit in silence. We don't, what we don't want to do is sit and realize how much our sins are leading us astray. Because the sin is what promises that momentary comfort. But we don't want a momentary comfort. We want that comfort that endures all things. We want that comfort that when we die, which we all will die, we will see the glory of God. And that comfort lasts for eternity. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we don't just look for these moments of pleasure. We don't just look for these moments of sin. We don't look for these moments of the world, but we look beyond. And when we truly see what Jesus has given us, when we truly understand what it is that Jesus gives us, that God gives us, that comfort that lasts for eternity, how can we be scared of anything? How can we even be scared of death? John Paul II said, we should never be scared of death because we are an Easter people. We are a people who believe that Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. And when we come to church, when we receive the Eucharist, when we receive the body of Christ, we are united to Him. When we are united to Him, we will be united to a resurrection like His. But every resurrection requires a death. Every resurrection requires suffering. Every resurrection requires that we go through a Lent in which we realize how much it is that we've offended God. We realize how much it is that we are far from God. To say, God, all these things in the world I put aside because I want to be united to you and only. And so Jesus today gives us a parable. 
He gives us a parable about how patient God is with us, how generous He is with us, how patient He is with us, but at the same time, in the end, His justice will win. He gives us the story of a landowner who has this vineyard. In this vineyard, he leases it out. He, makes, you know, he, gives, he gives the people all the tools they need to, to profit, to make a living. And so he puts this vineyard together, and then he gives it to a bunch of renters, to a bunch of tenants. And all he requires of them is that every time the harvest comes in, every time the grapes grow, that he will send some messengers to collect, to collect what's owed to him. Seems like a fair deal. And yet the people forget what they're there for. They forget what they're there for. And every time the owner of the vineyard sends messengers, those messengers are beaten or killed. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but countless times he's sending over his messengers to collect. The man is very patient. And finally, after rounds and rounds of messengers have been sent, he sends his son. And he says, surely they respect my son. But even the son is killed. This is a clear story of Jesus Christ. Here is God sending these prophets throughout the Old Testament, from Moses down, and the people don't understand them. Sometimes they even put those prophets in a difficult position. They persecute them. Because they don't like the truth. And then Jesus comes. And they don't even respect Jesus. They're not quite sure of who he is, and by what account he gets his authority. But what does it say about our own God today gives you a task. In the same way He gave these tenants a task, He's giving you a task. He gives you a task to glorify His name, to be a follower of Christ wherever you go. And He gives you the tools from which you can do it. He gives you the church. He gives you the Bible. All the answers of life are there. And notice, when God gives you this task, He's very generous. And He trusts you. In the parable, the owner doesn't just kind of live in the property and guard every action that his tenants are doing. No. He trusts them and he moves on. God in the same way trusts you and he allows you to make those free choices in your life. We can choose to go with him, to use those tools, to use him so that we can attain eternal life or we can go against him. My brothers and sisters, if God gives us the church, if God gives us the Bible, if God says the Bible is what has all the meaning of life within it, why look elsewhere? Why do we look elsewhere? How foolish, how stupid do we look if we, lo if we look elsewhere? John Paul II, again, has another quote that I love. He says, stupidity is also a gift of God. But one must not misuse it. Don't misuse your stupidity. We're all stupid, but we're stupid for Jesus. We're all stupid, we're all idiots. But as long as we're idiots for Jesus, that's what matters. We're all going to fail in life. We don't deserve anything. And yet here is Jesus who says, "Because I love you even through your foolishness. I love you even through your sins. All you need is in the Bible. All you need is in the church. I always talk about phones. And I will continue to talk about phones. This thing is the world, not only the world's biggest distraction, but it influences you. 
How often do we look at uh, tickety-tock, tick, whatever, tick-tock, right? How often do we look at tickety-tock and we say this is where the answers of life are? And they always have these philosophical messages for a brief moment. And this is where we get our answers of life. Or Snapchat always tells us, well, what is love? And that's where we get our answers of life. Social media will always tell us, well, this is the meaning of life, that's the meaning of life. We're looking towards horoscopes, we're looking towards crystals. We're looking elsewhere for the meaning of life, even though we know it's wrong. And slowly but surely, it influences you. God has already defined what love is. God has already defined what truth is. Why look elsewhere? Why be influenced by these other things? Notice how damaging social media can be to you. Notice how it can shape your life. And cut it out. Don't fall into these temptations of the devil. Don't fall into the ideals of the world. The world is very much so living in a post-Christian world. What do I mean by that? The world used to be Christian. The U.S. used to be Christian. And now everything in the world goes against. Everything in the U.S. is constantly fighting against those Christian values. Nowadays, there's... There's all these different, you know, abortion becomes an issue. It's, it's okay to kill as long as, as long as, you know, it's, 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 it's defined as women's rights. As long as feminism is defined as women's rights, but feminism has gone so far. Nowadays, you can't distinguish a male between a female, and they're just morphed. They morph into one, where they say a female can do everything a male can do, and a male can do everything a female can do, and they just morph. It doesn't make, nothing makes sense in the world. Because we're living in a world without truth. We're living in a world without Jesus. We're living in a world that needs to know the truth. And that is the task that God gives us. But it's only through this purification of Lent. And that is why I want to focus on this purification of Lent. And so my brothers and sisters, I ask you again, how is this Lent going for you? What do you need to add? What prayers do you need to add so that you can keep Jesus at the forefront of your life? The church has many tools that you can use in order to unite yourself with Christ. There's the hollow app. Hollow just means holy ground. There's meditations, Catholic meditations, in which you can listen to each and every day. There's the Bible in a year podcast by Father Mike Schmitz. It's never too late to start. There's the rosary. And I promise you, if you pray the rosary each and every day, you will be united to Jesus Christ. There are devotions to St. Joseph, which is feast day was celebrated yesterday, which in the world we take as an example of our devotion. We take as an example of how to be a follower of Christ. Don't let these opportunities pass you by. It's a shame if we, get, if we face the end of our life and God's justice is near because God was patient with these tenets for such a long time. But finally, in the end, justice prevailed. Justice wins, and the tenants are let go. Don't be useless to God. Don't let God, God's mercy never outruns us, but when that day of judgment comes, we're going to be asked, why did you not make the most of what was given to you? Why did you not make most of what was given to you? Why have you not come to the altar and tasted and seen how good Jesus is in your life? And so my brothers and sisters, we pray. We ask ourselves this question. Where is Jesus in my life? And do I take full advantage of what has been given to me by God? 
that God might transform my life so that I might put him in my life first above all. Amen?